0: welcome to the android police podcast my name is daniel bader this week on the show our first glimpse at the pixel 8 pro it does a thing that i don't think a lot of people want but i think a lot of people are going to be quite quite happy with when they get it so we'll we'll talk about that google is working on turning your pixel into a dash cam i love this will i want to i just want to like talk about how much I've wanted built-in dash cam mode on my phones forever. We'll we'll get to it. This is so good. ChatGPT now has a mobile app. Finally, it's also ugly as sin. I don't understand why um, OpenAI can't hire any mobile designers, but maybe they're just, you know, putting all their money into Azure servers. Montana became the first state in the US to block TikTok. This is going to set a precedent that is not going to be easy to enforce. It's just going to say it right now. That is not going to be easy to enforce. (laughs) However, it's interesting. It's an interesting turn of events. Not a great turn of events, but an interesting one. And we'll go back to Will's Pixel 7a review. It now has a score. It now has an updated battery section. And uh, yeah, there's a little bit more to it. So we'll get to that. And then Ara, you are going to rant. You're going to have five minutes, maybe even six, to just rant about (laughs) Disney. I look forward to this. I'm going to... Take out my cigar and just sit back and just enjoy that moment. Uh, but before we get there, how are both of you, Ara, Will? How are you doing?
1: I need food.
0: <laughs> okay. It is lunchtime. We are
2: recording this at 12.17. It's, it's lunchtime.
0: It's That's why I said it's got to be a tight 45 yeah. so that everybody can get back to it. <laughs> We're not doing great so far. We're meandering a little bit, yeah, but yeah. Uh, eh. I, I think we can turn the ship around. But, yeah. Um, Maybe, we'll see. (laughs) Rarely does it happen, but maybe this week. Maybe this week we'll do it. All right, Pixel 8 Pro, Mm -hmm. uh, a leaked marketing video shows up. And not only does it show the phone itself, but it shows a unique new feature that Google will likely debut and then plaster NBA courts with it for the next (laughs) nine months. Um, It's a thermometer. Yeah, so it's a temperature sensor that is going to act as a thermometer it's on the back of the phone it came out as a somebody got the marketing material uploaded it to youtube google verified its authenticity by creating a dmca request took it down we got gifs out of a backup so it's on the site if you want to see it but yeah we'll talk us through what this does what it looks like and just how awkward it's going to be to give yourself a temperature test. <laughs> yeah, okay.
2: I mean, there's so many parts to this. I want to start just big picture. It is the most Google thing that a week after they did not tease the Pixel 8 at I.O. as they did with the Pixel 7 last year, that we get not even just like renders, but like a full-blown leaked demo video showing like a unit, probably not a production unit, but still like, you know, it's the phone. Like you can see pretty much everything you would want to see about the phone. So let's move into there. It sure does look like a slightly different Pixel 7 Pro, which is what leaked renders had shown. But like, this is, again, our first time kind of seeing it from Google's own internal like sources. And yeah, I mean, it's got a slightly modified camera bar again, but maybe the corners are a little rounder. To be honest, it's kind of tough to tell. I think the screen looks flat, judging by the profile, which was something we had heard. It does look flat it 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 looks flat flat, to me which is great um i am using a phone with a curved screen right now and i just it's just not just leave it leave it in the past the back glass because nothing can be perfect does seem glossy again which i was really hoping after the pixel fold we would see google adopt matte glass across its devices does not seem to be happening here it does seem like it's glossy glass once again so that's a bummer so that's kind of what we learned from just the phone itself in terms of this feature it does answer the question that first showed up when we saw those renders a month or two ago of like what's that weird sensor on the camera like below the flash it's a thermometer so we this all thought is this m- was a lidar
0: sensor because e- that was the running that was theory, the theory <laughs> yeah right it would make sense depth mapping iPhones yeah. have it right this makes sense but no
2: Nope, it's the most uh we started thinking about this in 2021 feature imaginable in terms of like this would have made oh, a you're lot of sense. Google's
0: like, "Oh, COVID." Yeah. People <laughs> need to take their temperature. Let's yeah. put it on a phone that's gonna come out two years from now. Right. Yes. Well,
2: because like
1: Am I the only one who thinks this is actually gonna be a semi-useful feature?
2: Uh I don't know. Daniel, th- do you think this is gonna be a semi useful feature? I do. So right, then I'm the odd one out. So I'll let you guys be positive and then I'll come in and just throw cold water and
0: everything. Go ahead. You guys you guys do it. I mean, Ari, you start, but yeah, I Ari, have a very particular take on it. Yeah.
1: I have a couple of different takes on it. The first one being that yeah, it Being able to measure, like, your actual temperature and see whether or not you have a fever or one of your kids is sick or whatever is cool. I want this to be able to be just used as, like, a straight infrared instant read thermometer to where I can, like, hold it up to one of the walls and see whether or not my apartment is too warm and I can finally get maintenance to come fix my AC. Or I can use it to, like, hold it up to, like, a laptop or anything that is, like, getting unusually warm and being able to say, okay, it was this hot when I'm talking to customer service because I love my instant read thermometer. I haven't used my instant read thermometer in like a year and a half because I never have, uh, it's not D batteries. It's whatever the things are. Like nine volt batteries? batteries?
2: Oh, nine no, goal, okay. uh,
1: no, because I have like one of the ones that looks like a gun. Uh, <laughs> but being able to put that in a phone where it can probably record the exact measurement and could possibly like... Take a photo at the same time it takes the measurements so that way it could be like, okay, this is what I was pointing at and this was the temperature. So I can think of a lot of like nifty like side use cases. I understand that it's not something that everybody is going to use at every hour of the day unless you are just a complete hypochondriac. But I think it's something that's cool and I would much rather have this than them putting an IR remote control back into a phone. And I don't think Google would have done LiDAR just because the camera sensors and the technology that they have used has all been focused on like the AI processing. Like like we said last week with the Pixel 7A, like the camera sensor itself, it can be as good or as mediocre as it wants. The processing is what matters to it. So this this makes a lot of sense for me. It's something that is useful. It's it's utilitarian for me.
0: Yeah. So this will be interesting because Google will likely have to seek FCC approval, uh, sorry, uh, FDA approval to use this for a particular purpose. So while it may be multi-purpose, right? It may you may be able to use it for checking the temperatures on objects around you. Uh, while it, it's not a thermal gun, so it doesn't have the ability to shoot infrared and get back readings from far away from what I can tell. This will be approved for use on people right? But in theory, somebody will likely be able to hack this and make it work for other things. That said, as a parent who is often checking his kids' temperatures, if I'm out or I'm on vacation and I don't have a thermometer with me, being able to just use my phone and have a reliable temperature sensor to know whether I should give them Advil or not, like that's a big deal. It's a bigger deal than I think many people think it is if they're not parents and i've actually been in a scenario where i was on vacation my daughter got a temperature what we thought was a temperature but you really don't want to give kids that don't have a fever advil or tylenol or whatever no, so no you don't it's especially babies right and it's like babies run hot you don't know if it's just them waking up from a nap and being really hot or if it's a fever there are other ways to tell but like you need the data so for me, this is just a useful way of having that at my fingertips at all times. That said, it is gimmicky, right? Like this is yes. definitely, mm-hmm. as, as Will alluded, like this is a the most Google thing to ever Google on a piece of hardware because nobody needs this. And Google's like, what can we do? This is sort of like when you could take your pulse using. A sensor on the back of a samsung phone
2: yeah how many times did you use
0: that not often <laughs> No. let's be honest i mean the phone looked like a band-aid so i hated turning it over anyway <laughs> oh, God. um but how many generations was that in on samsung's Flex with the
2: band war? the band-aid or the sensor the sensor the sensor
1: was, was like four just, years i want to say yeah
0: it started yeah, with it the s5 there for a yeah and it must have gone all the way to the s8 yeah i think so and You're they would saying, move I, it I,
1: I was in the S nine. I thought they got what rid of it? it whenever they went to the S ten and the that that horizontal sense. bar. Because the S eight yeah. and the
0: S nine were like the same exact design, basically. Yeah. Except that they put the fingerprint sensor in the bad place on the S <laughs> eight, yeah, and then they that's put what I was going to say. Good place on the S nine. Yep. But yeah, they were very similar otherwise. So yeah, I think this is interesting. Like in many ways, they have marketing material in May that's ready to go for a phone that's launching in October. That's kind of cool. But also. They have this feature that they will likely, as I said, just plaster on at every doctor's office and every parent blog and just like, this is the lifestyle feature that they are going to push to anybody who may be an influencer in the health or parenting space and just be like, look at what we've done for you. You're welcome. So prepare for that. I guess
2: my concern is... Are we sure it's going to be accurate enough that you want to use it, like, on your kids? Like, I don't... Well, here's
1: my thing. Even if it's not 100% accurate 100% of the time, any instant read thermometer that you would use on your forehead is not going to be as accurate as something you, like, put inside your ear or anything because people wear hats. People will put their head against whatever for any amount of time. So it's never going to be 100% accurate. But just being able to be like, okay, this temperature reading gave me that. And I normally would get X temperature, because I'm assuming that if your kid is feeling sickly, you're going like, okay, they feel warm to me. They feel warm to the sensor. I should probably get some help.
0: The other thing that is interesting here is um this will likely need FDA approval in the US. It'll need Health Canada approval in Canada. But will what happened with Soli and the Pixel 4 happen with the Pixel 8? And the sensor will just be included in every device, but it'll only be usable in a few countries where it's been approved. I don't know the bar, right? That was the FCC and their actual like tech regulators doing the work, whereas this is the health regulator doing the work. But I would assume it'll run up against the same problems.
2: Yeah. Was it India? India didn't like, get it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. I mean, who knows?
1: Well, I mean, this isn't about specific spectrum. like. Yeah, granted, health approval is hard to get from any countries around the globe. The FDA is especially hard about that. Uh, Yeah, food and drug. Yeah, the FDA will be especially hard about that. But the thing is, this is something that has uses outside of the medical space. So I don't see them blocking off the feature, even if you can't take, like, a person's temperature in every country. Because, again, being able to just tell the temperature of objects around you can be helpful.
2: If it can, like we've only seen it demoed on a forehead, you know, a centimeter away. And that's the other thing I want to say, and then we can move on because I think we've covered it pretty well. Daniel, like you, you will be using it on another human being. That makes sense. This thing looks awkward as hell to do it on yourself in the demo. So awkward. Just, the and that's worst. the other thing is like when I get the Pixel 8 Pro in my hand and I'm testing this feature. How many times am I going to get, like, you screwed it up over those four seconds where you're dragging it across your forehead to your temple? Like, it's going to just be so clunky. You can feel it. You can feel it. I
0: also just want to say that the average kid with a fever is not going to want to sit there letting you scroll your phone accurately (laughs) across their forehead over three or four seconds, which is what the caption says. I don't know a baby that's just going to let me sit there with my phone, like, on their forehead, slowly moving it over from the forehead to the temple. So, that part I do think is going to be a challenge. Like, you know, whether the sensor itself is of high quality and, and is accurate is only as good as the ability to get an accurate reading. And I will say, I have one of those instant read thermometers that I use on my son all the time. Even those are hard to get because they're constantly moving. So, I'm not so sure about this one. I mean, I'm excited it's coming because it'll be useful in a pinch, but uh, yeah, whether or not it will be that useful for kids remains to be seen. But I digress. Let's move on and talk a little bit about this other leak that is all about turning your phone into a dash cam. This was discovered by 9to5Google, and it's part of the personal safety app that You likely don't know exists on your Pixel phone, but it's there. It has a whole bunch of other stuff, including crash detection, emergency dialing, things like that. But this one, I think, has a lot of practical use. But it again goes back to the fact that, like, you're then going to have to set up your phone as a dash cam. And most, many people don't use their phones for Android Auto right now. They use a built in, whatever's built into their car. But Anyway, will walk us through what this looks like.
2: Yeah, I mean, so as you said, personal safety. It's a fairly useful application that I think people should maybe
0: check out if
2: they haven't on their phone. Uh, maybe set up a couple features, but um, yeah, in a, a believe it was an APK teardown, they enabled a hidden dashcam feature. So it would be under the "Be Prepared" section. It records videos using the cameras on the back of the phone. You're basically going to have to like set it up in a way that it can like see. The road in front of you, your phone records for up to 24 hours per video or until you stop recording. It says the average video size is about 30 megabytes per minute. So they're compressed, but they're not completely small. They are automatically deleted after three days unless you save them. So that is that is useful. You can also toggle on or off audio as you need. So maybe if you are like a, um, a rideshare driver, that would be good. But yeah, I mean, it, you basically put a mount in your car. You put your phone in the mount, and then you don't need to buy a separate device. You just prop your phone up when you're driving. You start this feature, and you start, like, driving, and it tracks what you're doing. And if you get in an accident, you have footage of someone swerving in front of you and swiping your car as opposed to having no evidence of what happened, which is what a dash cam is for. It's great. So I think this is, like, a really smart and useful feature and something I'm surprised we haven't seen, like, other... Smartphone manufacturers do in the past, like it it seems fairly obvious, especially like five years ago when a lot more people had smartphone mounts as opposed to in dash displays where you're using wireless Android auto and just kind of put leaving your phone in your pocket or whatever. like this would have made a lot of sense then now, uh you know, gm about to ditch Android auto, so maybe those uh smartphone mounts are coming back. who knows? but um, yeah, I think this is a really, really like cool feature, and I want to try it now, and I hope they ship it soon.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a couple of things here. One is definitely useful. It's also going to be one of those things where Google gets to say, hey, this is a pixel-only feature. You can buy a dash cam, but if you want to save some money, this will just work. It'll save for three days, so the privacy oh, is respected. And, like,
2: wiring a dash cam, if, if you guys, I don't yeah. know if either of you have done it. it, it's annoying. Like, you can you can do it, you know, just having cables hang down, basically, but if you want to do it, like, where you're tucking the cables away or whatever, like, it's really annoying, so... This kind of eliminates It is that annoying, step. and it yeah. uses
0: your car's power. Yeah. Obviously, you'll need to keep your phone plugged in, and pixels tend to run fairly hot. So on a hot day, this might not be a great idea. Plus the fact that a dash cam is right up on your windshield, so the field of view is going to be way less obstructed than something that's basically propped up close to the vent of your car. So it depends on your car. It depends on the mount you're using. But you're going to get a far better and more unobstructed field of view using a dedicated dash cam. At the same time, more and more electric vehicles are shipping with built-in dash cams. So while it's limited at the moment to the more premium space, Tesla in particular has a really robust dash cam. You know, it's a four-camera dash cam system. It can record not only while you're driving, but when you're parked. You can look at it remotely if you want to so a lot of tesla owners really love that feature bmw and mercedes are offering this in their higher end vehicles at the moment though they are subscription based so you have to pay additional fees if you want to use them but i wouldn't be surprised if this comes to more and more electric vehicles right because you have a battery it's this is just taking a trickle of that battery when you're parked or when you're driving and it's just a way better experience that being said like having Android Auto on your phone, if your car does not support it, this is just the next best thing and you're getting it for free. And um, nobody's going to complain about that. So this is a really like forward-thinking feature and I'm surprised that some other company didn't come up with it first, to be honest.
2: It feels like a like an obvious yeah. either
0: Apple or Samsung
2: thing. Like it's it's buried five layers deep in one UI or something and you're like, oh, I didn't even know that my phone could do this, but it right. can't. Well-
1: I hate to rain on the parade a little bit here, but just using Android Auto on a phone while your phone is sitting in a cradle or a mount while you're driving, the phone will already be getting plenty hot and that's not counting if you are actually driving somewhere where the sun is shining with any degree of heat. Once you add the camera running the entire length of your trip from point A to point B, point B is more than like 10 miles away. I don't know how well this is going to work, especially given the thermal issues we sometimes see on Pixels. So it's it's a great feature. I just also worry about how well it's going to be implemented given the issues that we already see with these devices.
2: I don't use wireless Android Auto. I just use wired Android Auto. And I don't really have the heat issue when I'm using it. I think that's more of a wireless concern. It is an issue. But my other I mean, my larger thing is I don't even know. Can you use this feature in Android Auto at the same time? Like, we don't know. Like, maybe. Oh, I'm not
1: even referring to, like, the wireless Android Auto. I mean, back when I just had Android Auto, like, just on my phone, like, I hadn't upgraded to my current car.
2: Oh, sure. I mean, that's long dead, though. Like, that's. Yeah. The only thing you can have now is, like, Google Maps.
1: But, hey, even <laughs> so. that. it's It's having the screen on. The screen is usually at max brightness sure. while you're driving because it's bright outside. And then you have your cameras and your, if your phone is up and in a position where you can easily see it and the row, that usually involves your phone being in a position where it either has to be in front of like an air vent or it will be in the sun and it will be getting warm as you drive.
0: None of you are wrong, but I, as I am with many Pixel features, cautiously optimistic that Google will roll this out nicely and properly and it will work. But the chances of that happening are slim to none. So we'll see. I like the idea here. Let's just leave it at that. And we'll we'll wait until the official announcement because it's likely coming very soon. Unlike many features that APK teardowns uncover, this one feels fully done. Yeah, like. it looks ready to go. Totally. So could be with the next QBR. It could be with Android 14. We're not sure, but it, it's coming. All right. ChatGPT now has an iOS app with an Android app coming. It's US only at the moment, but it will roll out to other countries in the coming weeks. It's free to use with GPT 3.5. And if you have a $20 a month premium subscription, you can use it with GPT 4. Will, have you tried this at all? I have not.
2: I need to get my iPhone back out and test it perhaps. But other than goofing around with chat GPT, I have not really found a way to integrate it into my daily life anyway so um you can rest assured that everything on, on Android police written by me is not through ai because i keep forgetting it exists that is um, what an ai would say that is that is yeah no trust me if an ai was writing my reviews james would be much happier because i assumed they would be much shorter um i mean it was coming right like this needs to happen like it is interesting that ai apps have been primarily locked to like desktop experiences in such a mobile first world but like it is a mobile first world. This needs to happen. I'm not particularly surprised that it's iOS only first. That happens all the time with like rapidly evolving applications. Remember, um, see, I don't even remember it. Uh, Clubhouse. Remember Clubhouse? Oh, anyway. Oh, God, I hope. I uh, wish I didn't. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, a thing where it was on iOS only first and then eventually came to Android. And then two weeks later, everyone forgot about Clubhouse. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not super Surprised to see it, but um, I think it's cool that you know it's got voice input, which the desktop version or the web version, I should say, doesn't have. AI keeps marching on, specifically ChatGPT, but yeah,
0: yeah. I think we've talked a lot about how most people access ChatGPT through a desktop browser. You have been able to use it on on a mobile browser, right? There's nothing preventing you from doing that. It's fine, like it it works. But I do think we were waiting for ChatGPT to do something on mobile. As I said in the intro, this is an ugly app. It is not trying to do a lot. It is not designed to be a mobile app. It is just a reskinned version of. It's just a wrapper, right? Well, it's it's. I think it is native, but it doesn't look like it takes any cues from you know the iOS UX guidelines, right, or the Android guidelines. Like it, it just looks like an ugly. Easy, they like, quickly created app. Maybe they got Chat GPT to code it, <laughs> if, uh, or maybe more realistically, they got Bard to code it. I was it. gonna
2: say they got Bard. They they saw the Bard uh, uh, conference
0: last week, and they were like, "Sweet, we can finally yeah.
2: get Google to make our app." And then they were like, "Oh, this, oh, this sucks."
0: <laughs> so, I mean, the funny part about this is you've been able to use Chat GPT on Android and iOS through native apps for a while, but they've all been using the API and they've all been expensive because this is a gold rush and everybody's trying to make some money off it. So right now the issue is that when you type ChatGPT into the App Store search bar, you don't get this app first result. You get like 7,000 other shitty apps. And that is just a thing that is never getting better on App Store search. So uh, yeah, anyway, this is fine. It's, it's, It's gonna be useful. It'll come to Android soon. It'll come to other countries soon, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I'm going to use it much, but it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, also, randomly, Tom's Hardware, uh, which is a fairly well known website in the PC hardware space, they launched their own chatbot, and I find that interesting. So, if you go to Tom's Hardware, you can now like ask it what the best GPU is, and it'll tell you, and then it'll link to other articles on the website. So, not sure what it's being trained on or what like back end it's using but uh you know ai is coming for us all is the conclusion i've come to
2: so while we've been doing
0: this i did download the chat
2: gpt ios app and here's my uh five second review they really put a lot of work into the haptics here oh really (laughs) yeah like it vibrates at like various intensities as it types back at you Mm. as if you're feeling it type at you
0: it's very interesting oh that's weird that's like it's like talking to you
2: yeah, it's like a nice touch, but like it's not what I expect. I'm sorry,
0: Dave. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it's not not something I would think of associating uh, an LLM with is like subtle haptics, like yeah, massaging your hand as it talks to you. <laughs> yeah, but there you go. Okay, well, good haptics are on the iOS version. I doubt it'll be on the Android version, but we'll have to see. Next up is YouTube has started blocking ad blockers. This is something that it's a week and a bit old now. So we didn't talk about it last week, but it's, it's just worth bringing up. This is not surprising, right? YouTube is part of Google. Google is an ad business. It's not thrilled with the idea of blocking ads. At the same time, YouTube's ad business is multimodal, right? There are pre-roll ads, there's mid-roll ads, there are overlay ads. If you're not a YouTube premium subscriber, there's physical like overlay ads on the videos. There's there's a bunch of ways that Google makes some money here. It's now giving you a pop-up to say like, ad blockers are not allowed on YouTube, but you can either allow list. list the
1: site or yeah. pony up for YouTube premium, which is- The
0: best $10 a month I spend a month.
1: Yeah, like I understand that it's the principle of the thing for some people, but there's no such thing as the free lunch online. You pay for the other subscription services because you wanna see the content. The content on YouTube, just because it's free, doesn't mean that it doesn't have to get paid for somewhere. We have to pay for the; They have to pay for the servers. They have to pay for moderation. If you want to have a video platform and not just a massive mess of nonsense, that takes order and that takes people and that takes money.
0: They have to pay for Mr. Beast City.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's not cheap. His burgers,
2: man. You gotta. How's he gonna sell all his burgers if if you don't subscribe to YouTube Premium? Poor guy.
1: I really do wanna know how much creators get if a YouTube Premium user watches a creator's video versus if it's just the ad revenue.
0: I feel like if you are having trouble sleeping at night and you are like really in need of just like getting drowsy quickly, like trying to read the model that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> explains how youtube creators get paid through the free and premium <laughs> tiers would be literally the equivalent of of watching paint dry that's just melatonin on a <laughs> web page right there it's true it is right <laughs> like instead of taking a pill just save some money go read the spreadsheet <laughs> and then use that
1: money to no, no, subscribe no, 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 no. to Not youtube even. premium like- I'm sure somebody has done this. One of the like chat GPT bots or something. One of those has to have like an auto like dictation, whatever thing. And we'll be able to just read you nonsensical, like read you all of the legal terms for iTunes while you are trying to sleep just so you absorb it via mitosis or something.
0: In what voice is chat? Like that's the thing. Chat GPT doesn't have a voice. BARD doesn't have a voice, right? Google Assistant has a voice. Siri has a voice. They have not been connected one of these
1: has to be able to add that, right? I mean, it has
0: to. Like, the the thing that I forgot to mention last week, or maybe I didn't, Google Assistant was not mentioned once during the I.O. keynote. No. Right? It has long been forgotten. And I'm very curious to see whether Google cares about voice anymore, or at least as much as they did. Amazon announced a whole bunch of speakers this week. They're certainly not talking about, like, A, they're, they're just talking about the speakers. You know? Uh, the, the funniest thing, just complete side note uh, Amazon announced a new pair of $50 Echo Buds. They look yep. like black iPods. They look so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. The thing that they say is that they are tuned using AI. That is like part of the marketing material. And I'm just like, what does that mean?
2: Please does, tell no, me what that this means. This is the thing. It doesn't mean anything because we can all say this. We can say it about anything, anyone can say, Oh yeah, it was, it was, we partially used AI and, and all you would have to do for that to be true is be, is ask ChatGPT one question about your product or whatever. And like, they're done. Like we used AI when making the thing, it's like, it doesn't mean anything, but no one can call them on it, because if you ask them, they're going to be like, well, we can't let you in on our secret AI like, right, tuning. this is, this is like, proprietary of yeah, Exactly. It's We would hate for our rivals to get our hands on it.
1: To be perfectly blunt, the only thing I want AI tuning is the volume of the music, because auto volume is apparently something that Google has never been able to get right, and if they can use whatever... AI model that they have to actually level out the freaking volume on my earbuds that's all I need but you don't necessarily need AI for that it's just an algorithm I think that they're just starting to use AI in place of all the other words they would use 5 10 15 years ago for these things
2: yeah I mean look do I think AI has an obvious future in our society yeah like I think it would be stupid to say it doesn't but like There is the other side of this, which is that like AI is just the new metaverse word. It's the new crypto word of like AI is a real thing, but also it's a marketing buzzword and you're going to see it everywhere and you have to learn to tell the difference between like what is actually an AI tool that might help you and what is AI tuned
0: $50 earbuds,
2: you know, that's it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I still don't know what that means, but Amazon... Likely will never tell us, so that's that's fine. We'll just be ignorant together. I will say though, these support multi point, which is I think the cheapest earbud that I've ever seen to support multi point. They're $50, but you can buy them for $40 in the pre order period. So, yeah, complete side note, but uh, that's yeah. that's the new Amazon announcement. I reviewed the
2: second gen Echo Buds two years ago, I think it was like my second review for the site and uh i found them very uncomfortable so hopefully they fixed that because they hurt
0: my ears after like 40 minutes of listening
2: so hopefully that's better
0: okay let's move on uh tiktok is now banned in montana uh the state of montana has approximately 600,000 people if i'm not mistaken i think i read that somewhere but i could be wrong but it's not a big state i mean it's a big state physically but there aren't a lot of people there but as i said in the intro I believe this will set a precedent for a lot of red states that are looking to ban. I mean, not even red states, just states in say, general. Yeah, that's, yeah, this is, That's uh, not even,
1: necessarily a conservative versus liberal thing. I mean, th-
0: there is a little bit, but like Maryland, for instance, is looking to ban TikTok as well. There's a whole bunch of other potential bans coming. So let's just lay it out. The ban works by forcing Google and Apple to remove the listing from their app stores. And if they don't do that, they are subject to fines of $10,000 a day. That means that as of January 1st next year, you won't be able to download TikTok from the App Store or Play Store. However, it's unclear whether like if you sideload it, you are breaking the law, right? I'm not clear about that at this point.
1: Well, I also want to know, is it just going to be like if your IP address shows as you being in this state, the listing just doesn't appear? Because they're not going to remove the listing from the entire Google Play Store or iTunes store.
0: Yeah, it's it's unclear how they're going to enforce this. I
1: understand that they have tried to ban. like Apps have been banned in certain states before, but usually I think that ends up being like a geolocation thing. And as anybody here with VPN experience knows, that is incredibly easy to fake. It's like banning weed. It's All the cool kids are going to do it anyway. You're just making it a bigger deal if they get caught with it and you're not explaining why people shouldn't be using this well
2: well enough one step back like this won't go into effect this there is no way this is constitutional the reason that we're sitting here being like wait how would this work like so like google and apple have to like segment montana from their app store like or like what does that mean is because people who passed this the like government that passed this does not care about how it works it's a message bill it's about like doing a thing so you can say you did a thing whether or not you know it's instantly if it's not already going to get tied up in courts like it doesn't matter this bill will not go into effect because there's no shot the uh, american civil liberties union uh, already said the ban was unconstitutional tiktok is going to challenge the bill in federal court like it doesn't matter like that's where
0: i'm at with it Right. So it does matter
2: couple- in terms of messaging. It doesn't matter in terms of this
0: specific bill. I mean, there's a lot here. And, and there's still, as you said, like this is not constitutional. Uh, it's also unclear how both TikTok and Google or Apple will be able to enforce this without literally tracking you, which is really weird. It's not like, as Ara, you said, like if you cross state lines, Apple needs to know to let you use TikTok again. Unless they say, if you have an address on your profile that's in Montana, you will just never have access to download it again, right? Like, that's the very crude method of this, right? Like, if you're a citizen, but that's unfair, right? It's only being banned within Montana, ostensibly. The other part of this is, like, what's going to happen? TikTok or ByteDance is going to repeal this. They're going to get Apple and Google to write affidavits supporting ByteDance? Like, is, is that really what's going to happen here or will as you said like is this just meant is this a message bill that's meant to go up to the supreme court so the supreme court can once and for all decide like whether the states have jurisdiction over the oh app and play God. store or whether like it is something that is only enforceable federally like you want to talk about breaking the internet like this Jesus is Christ. really bad <laughs> exactly <laughs> well
1: I have an interesting argument here, but it also just takes Google and Apple out of the equation. If they were smart about this when they wrote this, they wouldn't be going after iTunes or Apple. They would be going after internet service providers within that state in order to block any server traffic to ByteDance and TikTok. Because you can access TikTok on yeah. a computer as well. The app is the primary modes of consumption. It's not the only one of consumption. So just going after the app, doesn't do anything. You have to block the traffic. And did the, I I haven't read the entirety of the bill. I don't know if their bill does that, nope. but that is the only way you would be able to stop the app from actually working within the state.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so few ways to enforce this. And I, I'm just going to say the word VPN, like you just download a VPN, this will not be enforceable, period. And, and like so many countries have try to block certain parts of the internet some do it better than others China's great firewall like does a really good job increasingly Russia is blocking parts of the internet Turkey shut down access to a whole bunch of social networks for a long time after the coup attempt it was like it's a thing that happens but that's a a, a federal a, a a countrywide ban and Apple and Google have built their infrastructures to allow for that kind of geofencing But within the US and within countries themselves, when you are able to cross a state line with nobody checking your passport, Apple and Google will then need to start tracking you in a different way. Or ByteDance will even need to start tracking you in a different way. And that just sounds like a privacy nightmare, the kind of nightmare that this ban is trying to avoid in the first place by accusing ByteDance of tracking its users and collecting that information.
2: I mean, literally the press release for this literally opens with to protect montanans personal private and sensitive data and information from intelligence gathering by the chinese communist party okay so so you're just gonna gather the data then great awesome my overall point with this tiktok drama over the last i guess since by dance bot tiktok uh bought musically it's two things it's one which is like all of those examples you just mentioned, Daniel, like, is that who we're trying to be like? Like, we want to, like, put up a firewall like China. That's what we want the Internet in the United States to be. Like, that's not what it should be. And then, two, Not really. No, like, that's like, aren't we trying to not be like them? Isn't that the whole argument that all these, like, Republicans and Democrats alike are making? Is it like, oh, we're better, right? Then, like, we should not have a firewall for data. And, 2 I'm an adult. I get to decide what's on my phone. That's it. Like, as long as it's legal in terms of, like, it's not it, fill in the blank of whatever illegal content here, right? But, like, in terms of apps or whatever, I get to decide to, if I trust TikTok with my personal data. Like, that's not a decision that the government, and God, I sound like a libertarian now, but, like, that's not a decision that, like, the government should be making for me. That's my decision. And, like, Th- whether or not, not I use... That not make
0: you... A libertarian. I, mean, it's, I sound a little bit like a libertarian. No, you. Right d- now. It's it's, it's <laughs> it, You don't need to go all the way to being, being for
1: personal freedoms. not mean You are a libertarian. No,
2: I know. I'm make. I'm just making a joke. But it, it is but, interesting.
0: Yeah. That this is a bellwether, right? I think Montana understands like what happened with a lot of other bills recently passed, where one state throws the first salvo and then other states respond. I think if it comes to pass that five or six states pass a similar bill, and they're all going to be appealed, right? And they're all going to eventually go to a, an appeals court, and maybe then one of them will end up at the Supreme Court. It is fundamentally unclear to me how this benefits users, right? Like, there's no evidence that TikTok collects that kind of data right and by banning this app part of the enforcement is not like I thought it was like all right well if they're banning the app maybe like apk mirror can make the app available to android users no if apk mirror hosts the app they are also subject to the same $10,000 a day fine right any means of downloading this app will be subject to the same fine and it's so draconian it just it makes no sense yeah.
1: If they cared about privacy, they would be talking about, like, okay, you shouldn't be sharing, like, X or Y on this platform. The thing about TikTok isn't necessarily that it tracks, like, everywhere you go and everything you do. It's the amount of time that people spend on these apps is inordinate. So that means the amount of data on your likes, your dislikes, your preferences, the ways that you could be manipulated are what's being collected regardless of whether or not that's just for dance and trying to get you to spend more time on the app or if that is being shared with government entities. When TikTok was banned from being used on federal employees' phones, that made sense. If Montana had passed a bill saying this cannot be on any state employees' phones, this cannot be on any devices owned by school districts or municipalities, that would make sense. It's trying to do that for all of the personal devices on top of those kinds of measures. Because the next question I have, the first question I have for any Montana senator or representative would be, okay, is this app on your phone? Is this app on your daughter's phone?
2: I mean, almost certainly. Like, it's on every 13-year-old has TikTok on their phone. I mean, like,
1: how much of, like, the Republican Party has had to market themselves on TikTok because that's how you try and grab the youth vote?
2: Well, it's not just it's everyone. I mean, two days before the hearing that we're you know, or, or whatever, where Biden was like, yeah, you know, I'm looking into it or whatever. Like he they were doing ads on TikTok. Like it's every politician is going to do this because that's how they're going to reach young voters. Obviously, it's hypocritical. They don't care. I mean, this is about like it's the same thing of being like, well, why are we not talking about Facebook in this? And it's like because they're like a U.S.-based app that like has a lobbying arm, <laughs> like trying to find actual reasoning in this of like it doesn't work because one we have seen nothing other than you know a couple of sparse examples of like the journalist stuff from last year where there's like real examples of tiktok or, or bike dance spying on u.s citizens it's like the government has not offered up why they find it such a risk like they've not shown their evidence it's about china like that's all this is it's about china and the fact that there's a very popular app that is made by one of our economic rivals like that's all this boils down to and it's about being hard on china post covid and it's kind of all a sham but like we have to i guess pretend it's not because we get bills like this where they're like we're gonna ban it and everyone says how and they're like don't care like see in court so yeah it's like make it
0: happen just get it done
2: (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly.
0: Sounds like Nixon. Just like, I don't care how you do it. Just get me those files. And it's like, well, that you was know, a spot on Nixon. people are going to end up in jail, Nixon, and you're <laughs> going to leave office in disgrace and everything's going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, and then Reagan yeah. then Reagan's is bad. just going to fix everything seven years later and the world's going to get worse again. <laughs> oh, man. History. All right. I'm not going to go there. Um, let's end <laughs> the show just recapping your Pixel 7a. Yeah, Thank sure. You. Yeah,
2: absolutely. All the, all the listeners that stuck around after we were ranting about TikTok for 10 minutes or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I republished my, my Pixel 7a review a week later. Uh, I gave it a score of an 8 out of 10 after some deliberation with our editor-in-chief, James, of what I should give it. I did a factory reset over the weekend, and it seemed to mostly solve my performance and battery life issues. Performance seems to be back on par with the 7. I don't know what was up with that. Battery life is now, I would say, fine. I still am not really hitting like five hours of screen on time. I'm not ending the day with 5% and three hours of screen on time. So I will grant it that it is upgraded from disastrous to acceptable, but not particularly
0: impressive. What happened first? Did the factory reset happen first or the rollout to fix the Google app causing. I don't
2: think the so the, the Google app thing started for, th- that was never uh, an issue that I ran into as far as I can tell it was it, I mean people were seeing 40 percent you know anywhere between 20 and 40 percent battery usage from the Google app starting late last week like after I had published my review if you look at my battery charts from my initial review period like the Google app is either not on there or it says like one oh, okay. maybe I, I don't have it in front of me So like it's somewhere under Chrome and Chrome is at five percent on my on my charts. So yeah, it's that was just not something I ran into. I was having separate issues in post factory reset. Likewise, I did not run into any of the Google issues. I don't know why that was a thing. It seems to be fixed, but yeah, I mean that was that was crazy. The for people who don't know, like there was an update to the Google app that was causing like forty percent battery usage, like insane amounts of drain on Pixels. So. Mm Uh, but that does not seem to be the case uh, in
0: my review period. So 8 out of 10. It's a good score. Yeah. Solid phone. I think so. You're recommending it. <sighs> um,
2: so I wrote an editorial that I would recommend people go read. It should be in the show notes about the Pixel A series identity crisis and how Google can solve it. And... My main takeaway is that talking to people both on the site, at IO last week, other journalists or reviewers who had the phone, there's like two camps of either, oh, the 7 is redundant, just obviously like buy the 7A, like the 7 doesn't have a reason to exist. Or, and I'm kind of on this team of like, well, the 7 is like kind of a better phone in some interesting ways, and it's not that much more expensive. And especially if you can get it on sale, it might be the same price or cheaper. I'm kind of in the space of... If you are looking to buy a mid-range Pixel phone right now, go on Amazon and pull up the 7a and pull up the 7 and buy whichever one is cheaper. That's it. They're so similar that I don't know how else to recommend them. If you see a deal on the 7, there's no reason to get the 7a. If the 7a is cheaper than the 7, there's no there are a couple reasons to get the 7, but like if there's a $100 or $150 difference between the two, like you should get the 7a. It's a complicated phone, which is why I wrote about that I think the A-Series is in a weird identity crisis. But yeah, that's kind of my complicated takeaway. Got it.
1: Well, as of the time of this podcast, the Pixel 7 is $560, and the 7A is $450 with the on-screen coupon, so...
2: Yeah, those prices are going to bounce all over the place. Oh, I, yeah, I, no, I think totally. they're, they're keeping the 7, you know, after a month and a half at, at what, uh, Jesus, $450? I think they're keeping the 7 kind of elevated to give the 7A some space. Yeah, like it really is just buy the cheaper one. I do, I, wonder, I do think
1: now that the 7A is out, I wonder if they sell the Pixel 7 until current stocks expire and then that's just it. And you can buy the 7A until the 8 comes because that would make the most sense to me. Of just like, OK, we've already been heavily discounting this phone from here until the fall. We can just coast. And if we sell out of the 7, the 7A is the exact is the same screen, the basically the same battery and cuter colors. And they, a better they've camera given
2: no indication that wait did you say the 7a is a better camera
1: doesn't it it's no, like, i like
2: the 7's camera more mm. the 7 has a bigger sensor
1: yeah but i mean those pictures those the sample pictures in your review and the sample pictures the 7a I
2: see, takes fine pictures yeah i'm not yeah. i'm not but like i the, the 7 definitely has a better sensor yeah they've given no indication that that's what they're doing i i think that a series is just a bit of a mess right now please go read my editorial i think it's very good but i i wrote a couple of ideas about how I think a future Pixel 8a can make a little more sense either by changing its size, kind of doing an iPhone 14 Max, but with an A series or even just moving its launch window to make a little more sense with future Pixel phones. But yeah, I think this is a weird lineup for Google. I think it's a little confusing to jump from the 6a to the 7a to the 7 to the 7. Well, the 7 Pro makes sense, but it's weird. It'll make more sense this fall, but that's uh, quite a long ways away.
0: All right. Finally, Ara, I don't know how much this affected you. I doubt it affected you personally, but (laughs) Disney is now shutting down. It's (laughs) $5,000 Galaxy Star Cruiser Hotel in September. So you have a few more months to spend an inordinate amount of money for two nights at a hotel. So much money.
1: Here's my take on the matter. The hotel itself is fine. It's these $5,000 experiences where you spend two days mostly in the hotel and not in the parks. And I'm sorry, even if I super duper love my hotel, if I am flying to Walt Disney World and spending thousands of dollars a night to be there, I am there to be in the parks, not whatever weird mystery thing is going on in the ship and uh, trying to, like, help the rebels to overcome the First Order. I love the enthusiasm, but just turn this into a hotel that has a fancy back way into Galaxy's Edge.
0: So, and you're saying that like, down gamifying. to like slightly,
1: yeah, they're well, because I mean, it's you know how they have like those themed vacations, like if you go on like a cruise or something, this is basically the same, except it's you be taking part in like a dinner theater play. So, I don't understand why this was attempted with the entire hotel. I think that this should have been like, okay, that's an upgrade you can pay for with certain rooms or certain room types. Like have that be on like its own dedicated super posh floor and have this be just a Star Wars hotel for everybody else. Because I've never set foot in this place because you can't go in without a reservation. But this is a nice looking hotel with cool looking rooms and cool looking restaurants. Just turn this into a hotel. And stop making people pay to pretend to be Jedi for two days. Yeah, I can do
2: that at home in my garage for free.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If this is a theme park hotel, we came for the theme park, not the hotel necessarily. The cooler the hotel is great, but just don't turn this into a three-day LARPing adventure.
0: I just want to know what the bed looks like inside the room. Is it one of those circular beds? Uh
1: I think there might be, like, some VIP room with that, but uh, most of the rooms, it's it, standard beds, and, uh, like, there's a, I think it's a queen bed for two people to sleep in, and then for the kids, it's bunk beds that are, like, cut out of the wall.
2: Yeah, I just shared a photo. You you nailed it, Ara. I don't know how you had that memorized, I'm <laughs> you, not
1: you nailed it. I have limited space in my head, and it is mostly for cases, accessories, and anything Disney. <laughs> but yeah, I'm... I have a stronger opinion about the Disney Pride merch that came out this week than I do about Galactic Star Cruiser.
2: Fair enough. Is it good or bad?
1: Um, mostly bad. Like, yeah, it makes sense. It looks like it, it came like straight out of the '70s, and the rainbow is like kind of faded. And they didn't use uh, outside of uh, outside of two pieces from the Marvel collection. None of the Pride merch has any LGBTQ characters. It all has Minnie, Mickey, and the Fab Five. So if we want to have like just rainbows and the Fab Five. That's fine. Just don't really call that Pride merch, especially when you are hyping Pride Night at Disneyland and hyping your inclusivity this year. Literally, I looked at the entire lineup and I went, okay, there's one cute hoodie and two cute pop sockets. That's it. Like, I was waiting for the Pride merch to come out because I wanted a new uh, sling bag towards the park. I'm going to be going and buying one of the ones from last year on uh, eBay or something because I just don't see myself paying for any of this stuff. Most of it is not the standard pride flag colors, and most of it will not fit with the variety of people's wardrobes. So unless you're willing to buy full outfits, there's not a whole lot of point in buying any, in most of any of this. Last year's stuff was better, so bring back that designer next year, Disney.
0: All right, fair enough. I'll end just with a a quick word that uh, Will and I have seen the BlackBerry movie now. Oh yeah, I did.
2: I did I see it. I so haven't spoken last to Will
0: about it. I was waiting until <laughs> we the have end not. Of the show. No. So you gave it four stars it. on Letterbox, yeah, and I gave it three. Um, Fair. I'd love you didn't write a review, so I'd like to get your take on what you thought.
2: I mostly enjoyed it. I, I, I it, it, this kind of movie is going to have an issue forever, where it's always you're always going to have to compare it to the social network, uh, which is a problem because that might be greatest movie of the last decade <laughs> like i think i would make an argument um and this is like a pretty good biopic i really liked uh glenn howerton's and jade Barishell's performance i thought the script could maybe use a little tuning up but i overall i kind of liked its like division into into three acts it, it almost felt a little like steve jobs inspired in that way um But yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I just I'm just a sucker for for this kind of movie. I think is the other thing is like it's it's always going to kind of it's like boxing movies. Like I'm already going in was like, well, as long as it's like competent, it's an easy at least three star. And then everything else is just like on top. So I'm a sucker.
0: Yeah, I liked the film. I thought it took a lot of risks and some of them paid off and some of them didn't. I think caricaturing Jim Balsillie as just like an angry asshole was the wrong move because it w- that's not his personality at all and I totally understand this is a film and it's you know a fictional take on it but I think what it did was it really impacted the dynamic that Jim and Mike Lazaris had and like their relationship was tense at times over the years but it was far more congenial than I think the way that it was conveyed in this film The Doug Frieden character completely made up. Like, just did not exist in real life. There was a Doug Frieden, but it not at all like the bumbling idiot that was conveyed by the film's director. I
2: mean, that's just a Matt Johnson. If you've watched anything from Matt Johnson before, who plays him and is also the director of the movie, like that's just he's just doing a Matt Johnson character. Exactly. Exactly. But you don't know. A little distracting, right? To be honest. Like, like. That and Baruchel's uh, hair in the third act are both a little distracting. Yeah, a little, uh, a, little, bit. little a little funny or die. But yeah, that is fair. I I am a fan of Matt Johnson's work, so I, I I'm fine with it. But I also can see it definitely sticks out in a movie that is. I mean, it's funny, but it is otherwise played like fairly straight, other than you know, give or take, Glenn Howerton yelling about the
0: vampires of water. <laughs> I think so. A lot of this, <laughs> a lot of the time, was spent on. Bossley's move to purchase an NHL team and yeah. move the Penguins to Hamilton. And yeah. I just think like that was a very Canadian story and very clearly was meaningful to Jim and to Matt as well. But I thought it distracted from the movie. And I think as somebody who like came up as a tech reporter during BlackBerry's Rise and Fall. I felt like they missed the boat in a lot of ways, talking about some of the more interesting things. It was a tight movie, like it wasn't overly long. I just think some of the choices that they made and the fact that like tonally it came across almost as like apologetic, or it tried to be a comedy and a drama, but it aired closer to comedy and therefore didn't take itself seriously enough. And I think that obviously you're right, like this could never be the social network. It shouldn't be the social network, but I think it needed to try to be a little bit more like the social network in its tone because this was a very serious company that did a lot of really bad things and a lot of really good things. And like, I think the stories and the vignettes could have stood on their own better if they weren't played like at an 11 the whole time
2: yeah my crowd
0: definitely struggled kind of knowing
2: the difference like like the film gets a little more dramatic in the third act i would say and i think the level of comedy leading up to that twist kind of made people like unsure of how to take the confrontation between mike and jim near the end of the movie like i don't think that's played for laughs but my crowd was like kind of nervously chuckling as if it was yeah i agree like i i would have loved the film kind of assumes that you know the heights of blackberry so it, it kind of jumps from we're off the ground and we've fixed our our network issues into iphone launch day which the timeline of which and this is not a critique but like boy do they they sure do compress that and like i was sitting there, there there's like a, a character who's like yeah they're talking about a. Uh, some kind of marketplace for software where third parties can up. And I'm like, that was not on iPhone launch day. And we all know this. That was a year later. That was iPhone OS two. That's not a critique.
0: That's me being me. And I'm sure you being you, Daniel. Exactly. But, but again, like there were, there were a lot of examples there. You gotta, and-
2: yeah. I mean, I mean, in, in some ways you have to like, it's, it's for a, a general audience. You have to push some of that stuff together. And so, but like, I am sure that that Mike Lazaridis did not go into a boardroom with Verizon and copy Steve Jobs' pitch for the iPhone uh, as he does in the movie. But it's, you know, it it I think it works. That works dramatically. More time with The Storm would have been great because I think that is such disaster. a fascinating failure. I love that it ends with The Storm. Like, I think that's a smart yeah, decision. Agreed. But yeah. I would have loved a little more of a focus on just, just how bad. Like, if this is a movie about that company's failures as opposed to its heights, like, you gotta drive that home like the storm is was so bad and and it kind of does in the title cards where it's like yeah like what like almost all of them had issues and had to be returned and but like you know i i feel like you could get that
0: in that does not really convey the scope of the exactly i
2: think uh, yes yes how truly bad that phone was
0: Okay. Anyway, we're gonna end it there. Let us know if you've seen Blackberry. Uh, did you like it? Did you not like it? Uh, what score would you give it on Letterboxd? Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> that should be our Twitter replacement. Instead of telling people, yeah, to man, follow find us find me Twitter. on Letterboxd. Yeah, these find days. me on That's Letterboxd. That's
0: where I'm pl- spending most of my time. That and like Goodreads. <laughs> That's, those are the two like best social networks right now. Will, Ara, thank you so much. This has been great. We did not keep it to a tight forty-five, but absolutely that rarely not. happens.
1: That's okay. Lunch can just be longer. Are
0: you going to eat your tots? No. Can I have them? Thank you so much for listening. And uh, let us know what you think of the show. Podcast at AndroidPolice.com. We love hearing from you. We'll be back next week. But until then, have a great week. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.